You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 5 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, the show for January 2014. I'm your host, Bart Pushots. Joining me today we have a fantastic panel of uh, two old friends and one new voice. I was going to say new face, but it's a new voice. So uh, first off, Adam, welcome back. It's Adam Christensen of the MacCast. Hey, how you doing? I am doing just fine. Good. Uh, with us in person, rather than uh, you know, via substitute, we have the wonderful Gazmas. <laughs> yes, uh, sorry about last time, Bob, but uh, yes, good to be back. Thank you very much. So he's in studio, as it were? No, no, no. <laughs> last time Gaz was going to be on, he got, he got replaced by a guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. missed that one. A, a, a literal guy. Literally, yeah. Guy Cyril was very kind to jump in at the last minute. Um, cool. It was great to have Guy on, by the way, Gaz. So feel yeah, free to yeah. substitute yourself more often. <laughs> Yeah, guy's great. And then finally joining us, we have Nick Rodriguez from the Mac Gist podcast. And this is your first time with us, so uh, welcome aboard. Yes, thank you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Delighted. Since the listeners haven't heard you before, do you want to just give out a few links so they they know where they can, you know, look you up and stuff? Yeah. um, Well, our podcast, the Mac Gist podcast, um, you can find it at macgist.com. Um, me personally, uh, obviously you can find Mac just on Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. And then you personally is my Twitter's, uh, just at Nick Rodriguez. Simple. <laughs> do you want to, sp- well, do you want to spell Rodriguez for people? Yeah, I suppose I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z is how you spell the last name. Nick, and, N-I-C-K. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because there's a couple of different spellings in Nick too. Yeah, so. yep. <laughs> very good. Well, thanks very much for, for joining us and, uh, hopefully you have fun. Yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know at the end. How's that sound? <laughs> Very good. Conserving um, judgment. Uh-oh. I best be on my best behavior then, hadn't I? Yes. <laughs> um, before we get stuck into the big stories, I've decided that instead of sticking sort of statistics into the middle of the, the show, I would just sort of gather together the interesting numbers for the month into a short segment at the start, followed by, to get it all out of the way, a short segment on the court cases, which, I mean, every month I complain that I hate doing them, but they are actually important news, and... The reason I decided I want to keep doing them is so that these things develop over many, many, many months. And if we don't keep track of them once a month, we're not going to understand the developments as they happen. So even though I complain, I'm going to keep doing them. And then you're, be- you're a better man than me. I ignore them completely, mostly on my show because <laughs> I'm, I'm just like you. I hate them. There's just too many of them. And, and they uh, but I agree also they're very they are important. Yeah. So basically, I'm thinking we're just going to keep up with them until something really dramatic happens and then we can promote them to a real story. Um, what I have done to keep the show somewhat tolerable is I have completely put a ban on rumors. There are <laughs> there are no rumor stories in, in this show because otherwise we're never going to fit into an hour a month. <laughs> and, you know, the rumors that become true will become news and we'll talk about them then. And the rumors that are not true, yeah, we don't care about those. Good philosophy. So especially, especially sorry, I just no, no. On, comment on, on rumors. I think that's a good uh, tact because pretty much, you know, the rumors will last until... December and then and then become stories. Yeah, and there, there, was, are, there are some perennial rumors like the, the TV TV and those kind of ones, and they're, they're almost funny. But I'm still not doing them. Yeah, I don't want to force you to break your rules, so we should move on. And there, okay. and there was and there was me wanting to talk about uh, what's happening with the Mac, the Mac Mini, but I'll, I'll I'll ignore it. I'll ignore it. There's something happening with the Mac Mini. Well, yeah. you know, I'm just I'm just seeing lots of refurb Mac Minis, a plethora 
a pl- that's my word of the night, a plethora. A plethora of Mac Minis in the UK store and, and, you know, come on, they need to update it. But that's my own personal That's a thing. wish, not a rumour. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm wishing too. Oh, I want to put Mac that Mini. spin on it. <laughs> we could be like, you know the way you have, like, you know, the, the Mac Pro is like a big dustbin. So if you had like a beer can sized Mac Mini. <laughs> anyway, that's again wishful thinking. Um, so there's only two sort of numbery stories that caught my eye. Um, the first is is not is not an analyst. It's actually Apple telling us straight up that there were ten billion dollars made in the App Store in 2013, which is a very large number. And a billion of those came in December alone, which I guess being Christmas is not entirely surprising. Can I ask a question? Yeah, a bit then? impressive. You can. Did, did did they presumably? That is app. That's App Store. Is that App hmm. Store for Mac and iOS combined? Do we know? I don't know. Let's, let's see if I can figure that out from the Ars Technica story I have in the show notes. And I, I wonder how much of that is. It. No, that's right. And I wonder how much of that is actually what you could deem as almost. Yes, you've got handling costs, but almost pure profit. You know how much of that is not products which are Apple products and which are you know. Um, uh, third-party applications, and they're obviously taking the thirty percent because that is massive. Yeah, it, the story isn't very clear. By inference, I think it's the it's the App Store, which is the iOS one, because yeah, the right. one is the Mac App Store. Yes, true, true. Yeah, that's, um, if that's you look, even more if you massive. At, if you look at the press release where this is sourced from, um, Apple has always referred to the App Store as the one that is iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch. As a matter of fact, it says uh, the revolutionary App Store offers more than one million apps to iPhone, iPad, and iPod users in 155 countries around the world. So I think when Apple says App Store, uh, they are only referring to the iOS side, whereas I believe if they say Mac App Store, then they're referring to the other one. Right. I don't know how they refer to them as combined. I guess they would uh, specifically mention both. Yeah, and uh, I think actually the iOS one probably makes an awful lot more money than the Mac one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, that's an interesting question because I would think on average that uh, apps in the Mac App Store are priced a little bit higher. So, yeah, but how many how copies of Omnigraffle for a hundred dollars do they sell? <laughs> I don't know. But how much margin do they make on their software? That's that's another question because obviously they um, they probably sell less. Oh, well, I say they sell less in the the iOS store. That's that. Those are the sorts of figures that we are just never going to see because yeah. those are the sorts of figures which I don't think Apple will ever put out. Well, but, the margin you know, is the, always the same, regardless well, of app, of Mac App Store versus App Store. Well, for Apple's, it, for Apple's piece, yeah, they, they yeah, get yeah, 30%. Yeah, well, for, yeah, yeah, no, from 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 third party, but obviously, my, I, I think I was thinking really from um, their own apps, how their own apps, yeah, and how many well, they're their selling. Their are all free, free now, so the I was margin's say, zero. Apps. True, true, yeah, that's well, again, <laughs> well, um, not their, not their aperture, pro apps, right? yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah, but but that is disappearing. Uh, agreed, um, year by year. Speaking of wishes rather than rumors, where the hell is Aperture X? But anyway, <laughs> um, you haven't moved few... on to, to Lightroom like everybody else. No, God, no. Yeah. What is it? Eight months of Aperture? Sorry, eight, Aperture <laughs> gets me eight months of Lightroom. <laughs> yeah, not happening. Um, 
I think there's economies like for countries that are smaller than 10 billion. Oh, yes. I think I might live in one such country now to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it the figures are just, they're just mind-blowing, really. I, people well, look at that. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that billion number, and yes, you know, granted, that's the holiday quarter. Um, but I'm pretty sure, you know, one billion in one month, when you have 10 billion total, you know, that means 9 billion for the for the other 11 months. I mean, that's still, that, that was what was kind of amazing about that number to me. It's like, wow. Yeah. Um, and, and even more impressive, though, is the total number since the app store's inception is 15 billion wow hang so on that, that they have massively ramped ramped up then in the last uh year to 18 months oh wait i got that wrong apple's earned 15 billion 10 ah. billion spent see they always throw me off with those things so how much did they actually earn in 2014 did they or 2013 did they give us that number like how much of that was profit for apple I, I didn't see any such number because really I think the point of the story was to get developers to want in on that. So, yeah, so they, so developers have earned 15 billion since the app store was created. Apple customers spent 10 billion in 2013. So that 15 billion is the 30% of the total. That 15 billion is the 17, the 70% that Apple paid out to developers. Oh, since wow. okay, the inception right. of the App Store. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. See, all, see, it all gets very confusing. That's yeah. these numbers stories always throw me off. You have to be very, you have to pay very close attention to you know what they what they are saying. So Diligence. we don't know. Diligence. Yeah. I also so, have to caveat them because the next story here is a classic example where caveats are important. So if customers spent 10 billion, that means Apple earned 30 percent of that. So what's that? Three billion. Yeah, yeah, that, that, right? that math I can do. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Even though they didn't put it in the story, we can we can infer since, yes, they get thirty percent. Yeah, that's true. So the other numbersy story where NPD released their numbers for the U.S. smartphone market, and the caveat needed here is that this is the U.S. smartphone market. So the world yeah. story is actually quite different, and we'll touch on that briefly later on. Very different. Yeah. But within the U.S., where Apple are very much still king, Apple have increased their lead on Samsung. So Apple's market share is 42%, and this time last year it was 35%. So that's a jump of 7%, which is a pretty a good jump. jump. And Samsung have gone from 22 to 26, which is also, a you know, it's going in the right direction for them. That's a 4% growth, but they are still growing slower than Apple. And I guess in the, the unsaid story is that BlackBerry are just falling off the face of the earth. Well, I, if, to be honest with you, Bart, I wonder whether anybody's quite so concerned with BlackBerry now and more con- – well, not concerned, but more wondering what's happening with uh, Windows. With Nokia. Mm. Yeah. What's, in, what's interesting, too, is LG saw growth um, in the – both Motorola and HTC were down. So it was Samsung, Apple, um, and LG gaining share – and Motorola LG and or Motorola excuse me HTC and BlackBerry losing. Could could that have anything to do with uh, the Nexus devices? Aren't they made by the Nexus Five is made by LG, correct? So and I think that might be an important point to Apple is that you can buy a Nexus device 
a Nexus unlocked and, and bring it to any carrier for $350 right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- that might be why they're, they're slightly growing. Obviously, they're, they're not in the, in the ball, same ballpark as Apple, but it could happen. HTC used to do Nexuses, didn't they? Remind me. Uh, Samsung was the Nexus, the Galaxy Nexus. And maybe maybe they did. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm going like so was confusing. it the G1 or the G2? I could have sworn HTC got to, got to do that one was, of those. That one wasn't a a, a a quote unquote Nexus though. That was before the Nexus <laughs> Google brand had had ever happened. Mm. But so, but I, that I suppose, was an HTC device. I suppose the interesting point here is that um, you're talking two completely different markets. The infighting mm. between LG and Samsung and the rest of the Android developers is yeah. is you know are, are they worried? Are LG worried about, not worried, but are they trying to take market share off Samsung and, you know, not even worrying about the the bit that Apple has? And Apple are obviously just trying to take as much market share as they possibly can um, and being hammered and hit from all sides. But to me, it almost seems as if it's Apple versus Samsung and then you've got the rest of the Android boys trying to take a bit out of Samsung's pie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, More or less. I mean, Apple are only fighting in, in the high-end stuff, really. Yeah, and yeah, of the course. The battle there is with Samsung, really, isn't it? Uh, I, don't even, I, don't even, I don't even know about that. I, I think Apple doesn't even think about that whole piece of it. No, they just sell, they just make, you know, they make good stuff and sell good stuff and make good stuff. I've always maintained that I think they're playing their own game and everybody else is playing some other game. And Apple doesn't really concern themselves too much. Well, mainly because, again, it is partly because they are on that higher end and Samsung plays in that higher end a little bit. But I don't think in the high end, I don't even know that, you know, how you have a lot of a large percentage of consumers going. I think they've already decided, I guess, when you when you're buying phones in that price range, you're, you're either an Apple person or you're an Android person. I don't I don't yeah. know that there's a lot of whole hemming and hawing. I mean, there's a few people, um, but. It just doesn't seem it seems like they can evenly sort of split that market and go on forever. And I think you're right on, you know, everything under that as far as Android is concerned is everybody else versus Samsung. That's something which I had cut from the show notes to try to try make them somewhat civilized in size is that uh, Samsung had their quarterly earnings call as well. And then Samsung's case there, they were still massively profitable, but their mm-hmm. profit was down. And they analysts were basically saying it's because they're, they're selling lots and lots of cheapy phones where they're competing with LG and so forth and having mm-hmm. to cut down the price in that bitter war. And they're selling very few high-end phones with good margins. And that, that's what's pushed their overall profit down. That, I mean, that would make how, sense. How are, they, how are they calculating that, though? I mean, Samsung makes refrigerators. Yeah, so well, are, the they, problem, are they bundling everything? Or is well, it just yeah, phones? The, the problem with that sentence was the phrase analysts say. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've, I've got a point. Of, uh, or I spotted a, a, a comment which uh, was talking about analysts later in in the show notes, which um, just oh, made me shake shake have, my head. Even, for even though the second title of my job taught um, my job role is analysts. Yeah, but it's not financial. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pricing analyst. Pricing analyst. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on, yes. So let us quickly go through Apple in court for the month. So the first story we pick up again is uh, is Apple's little grudge war with Michael Bromwich. Um, There were some (laughs) developments in that. So um, 
In December, Apple had asked the judge to rein him in, and she said no. So in January, they asked the judge to just take him away, and she said no, unsurprisingly. Um, but the appeals court to which Apple are appealing the entire case, so not just Bromwich, but the entire fact that they were found guilty and therefore the need for Bromwich, that appeals court stepped in and put a temporary stay on Bromwich and it basically said that until the appeal is decided, there's no Bromwich. So that's actually quite a big victory for Apple. Yeah, oh. so Apple got what they wanted. Yeah. In essence, for now. Yes, and the other point that people are making on this is that this is the first time a judge who's not Judge Cote, has had anything to say about this case. And the first indications are that the judge seems to think Apple might have a point. Can I, can I throw a side thing out that, sure. that <laughs> freaks me out? So the, the two judges that uh, Apple seems to deal with most mm. in a lot of these lawsuits, Cote and Co. Why, why are so many <laughs> so similar? <laughs> It's, it's KOH, I think, is the other judge, but you know, yeah. and C and K. But it always it always throws me off. I get them yeah, confused all the time because their names are so similar. Well, one of them tends to be quite wise and judicial, and I tend to quite like what she has to say. And one of them, I think, is an idiot. Uh, I, think... I, I can guess which one is which. <laughs> yeah, this one's the idiot, in my humble opinion. <laughs> so say that's, this that's that big story. Then. Um, a quick little bit of good news. So the ITC, the international, the US ITC, which is the United States International Trade Commission, had said that Apple didn't validate a Moto patent. Moto appealed to the courts. The courts have said the ITC was right. Apple do not validate that Moto patent. This becomes important later on in the show. So store that. Which one, one was that? Oh, I don't. I don't remember which of the bloody patents it was. Um, I think uh, proximity sensors. Was that the one that the screen goes off when you put it to your head? Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. And a couple others. I don't. There was like twelve in total. Um, some bad news is that an appeals court judge has greenlighted basically for the the anti poaching case that involves Apple and a whole bunch of other big tech giants in Silicon Valley. That case is going to go ahead, and really, by all accounts, it looks like Apple did something horribly wrong in conjunction with their fellow tech companies. So that probably won't end well for them. Anti, is this poaching employees? It makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so basically Steve Jobs and Google and a few others had gotten together to say, we won't steal your employees if you won't steal our employees, which is against Californian law. And right. uh, the employees are saying that this drove the price of their wages down because Apple, Google, etc. didn't have to pay more to try to retain staff because they had this gentleman's agreement they wouldn't go and nick each other's staff. It's always amazing to me how, how Steve Jobs flip-flops on things and... and has selective history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, he poached a bunch of Apple's key, key uh, people to uh, start next. Yeah. Yeah, but so, he went away in a hole from that one. <laughs> so, he said he so, wasn't and that they were going to quit anyway, but yeah. you know, he so said, well, round, I'm not going to take important people. In a roundabout way, I suppose Google have um, pinched <laughs> or poached uh, a load of Apple employees by getting oh, what's the name of that company? Nest. 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 Yes, that's true. And I, I know, I know, it's a wide ball, but it's uh, uh, that's going to be the way companies go. I think in the future, but just by uh, saying how many come, how many of a, a set of a company's employees go somewhere else, and then oh, we've got enough money, let's buy that company. Well, and Silicon Valley is just a it's a it's a closed off space and there's only so yeah. many you know sort of people to go around so incestuous 
Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's always been that, I mean, it's always been like this. So, you know, historically you can go back in history and, and see this practice going over again. So it's actually beyond just, you know, the legalities of it or what have you, it's just a silly agreement to even enter into because it's eventually going to happen some way or another. And I think your, your point about nest, even though it seems convoluted and roundabout, you know, these guys all end up going to one company or another and coming back at some point and going off again and starting their own company and then getting purchased up by some other company. You know, it's like it's going to continue to happen. It's, it's, it's inevitable. Such a, it's such a not Apple move too. it hurts their employees in yeah. the long term mm-hmm. as an employee of Apple in these between these years. Right. Gosh, if I could have gotten an offer letter from Google at that point in my life, I mean, it, it I mean, it hurt. It hurts it, your employees. It well, does go again. That's. <clears throat> It does go Sorry. against the grain of what Apple portray themselves yeah. as a, a let's let's use this phrase equal imp, you know equal um, employer. Right. Yeah, well, again, this, is, this is Jobs. It's this is very Jobsy, and this is like the Jobs yeah, of true, disabled true. <laughs> Yes, very true. Very true. Yes. You know, this is not Tim Cookish. This is Jobsish. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> and the other thing, of course, is when Apple buy companies, they generally buy them to get good staff. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Apple's acquisitions are purely for the talent. And yeah. Well, and I, th- I think that's why that's becoming more and more the practice, right? Yeah. Because if they're gonna, if they're gonna sort of have these buddy agreements and say, well, we're not going to point your employees, um, then you know that then a good roundabout way to do it is like, well, okay, we're just going to buy that startup that has all those employees. That actually, we, actually we and had viewed differently. We did have a similar case in Europe with footballers many oh. years ago. Yes, we did. You could you could almost align it to the case with footballers in in Europe because uh, the football teams were doing the same thing. So, uh, and the footballers no, won I, that in the end. They did. They did. Um, the other story, just it's sort of a wrap one up. Um, Boston University had been suing Apple over patents. Um, Apple have decided to settle that one and pay them a licensing fee rather than fight them in court. Um, one to mark always your, the easier approach. I think so. Um, <laughs> The, the U.S. Supreme Court are going to be taking up an important question. So this is this is a case of watch this space for future episodes. But they're basically going to decide the question of does the Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which is protection protection from unreasonable search and seizure, cover the content of a smartphone? Because that is becoming ever more important in this modern connected age. And it'll be very interesting to see what the Supreme Court have to say. And uh, I guess we'll talk about it in detail when they say what it is they're going to say. Uh, we also talked last month about Apple and Google going into mediation, and I, I think the panel sounded a sceptical note. Um, Apple made some court filings, basically said our line in the sand is a no cloning provision, which I think probably scuppers the mediation, and I don't think anyone thought that was going to succeed. Is anyone shocked at this? Silence. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally we visit Judge Coates' court. Or sorry, oh. Judge Coe. Judge Coe's court. Yes. I'm see, now. see what the, there's my exact point. <laughs> now, see, Judge Coe is even more confusing because there are actually two Apple v. Samsung cases that are not the same case and they're both in her court, which really mm-hmm. just messes with your head. So <laughs> the second of those trials, there was a summary judgment. So basically she had said at the start of the case... I think like they all wanted like 20 patents each and it was going to take 5 million years to litigate. And so she basically told them all to pick their best five and they could go head to head on their best five. And uh, there were all sorts of motions for summary judgment. Um, and uh, the summary judgments came in and it's basically 2-0 Apple. 
Um, so first off, the judge ruled that Apple did not validate one of the five patents Samsung had chosen, so they now have four left in their hand. And uh, then the judge ruled that one of Samsung's patents is invalid. So uh, they now have three left in their hand, and Apple still have... You know, Apple haven't lost anything yet. So before it even gets to the trial stage, it's already 2-0 to Apple, which is interesting. Hmm. And then finally, finally, um, again in Judge Coe's court, we I talked a lot about Samsung being dirty slime balls and using court-protected... Basically, they had to give over this confidential information, but there were court rules saying that it couldn't be abused by Samsung. And, of course, Samsung went and used it in to try to get a better deal out of Nokia and a couple of other people in negotiations. And uh, we, we all thought there would be some sort of punishment for this, and the judge has said that the punishment is public shame. So shame on you. <laughs> so ridiculous to me. Yes. It's such, that's such a dirty move, and it, get, it just gets under my skin. I, I went on a rant on my podcast for like a half an hour about this. Ugh, it just bugs me. I, I agree with you 110%. I, I was so hoping they would get seriously slapped on the wrist for being... You know, such a slimy move. Ugh. But I mean, but they, if you, they've if, done this if, over and over again. Yeah. I mean, this is not new tactics for Samsung. Which is well, it, if you if you impose a financial fee on them, what does that really do to them? I mean, a couple million, hundred million dollars to them is 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 change. So, but it sets a point though, because it means that the next time Apple and Samsung are in court together, they have this multi-million dollar judgment for abusing court privilege. Yeah, that that says something. That that immediately biases proceedings. Whereas, you know, just shame. The shame would be a lot more shaming if there was a financial, if there was a big number mm-hmm. to go with the headlines. Like you say, they, it wouldn't, you know, they have the money, but it would make the shame stick. Yeah, I suppose. And it's just a principle. I don't think it thing. would, but it's just the way they run their company that really bothers me. <laughs> yes, I <So>. agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I'll just go on a rant now. I wasn't going to put in the show yeah. notes because it's really not an Apple sh- an Apple story, but the, I saw a thing where a guy had bought a Samsung Smart TV and the thing did pop-up effing ads on his telly. And he had mm-hmm. to download and install an app to get them off. Yeah. That's cool, huh? Dar- Over top of his Apple TV interface. Yeah, <laughs> which is like double irony. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... This is not the Samsung fan show. Let's stick into the actual big <laughs> stories of the month. We're only half an hour in and we're now getting to the big stories. What could possibly go wrong? Um, the first one also gets me in on a sort of a this is not effing fair scenario. So the FTC have basically dragged Apple over the coals for the fact that when you put in your password once in the past, you could buy any in-app purchase you want for the next 15 minutes. And that was a mistake on Apple's behalf. And kids ran up big bills. And Apple had already in the past made a compensation settlement. And now the FTC made them settle again, which Apple says is double jeopardy. And uh, there is also the fact that Apple's App Store is way, 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 way better at this than Google's App Store, where in the words of Consumer Reports, you children can spend like drunken sailors. And yet the FTC decided to single out Apple. They didn't attack the industry. They attacked Apple and Apple only, and so much so that there are actually commissioners who've come out afterwards and spoke out against the decision, basically mm. saying the FTC was wrong. It, it, it all seems as if somebody's got a bee in their bonnet over this mm. one. Um, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody at the top of F, the FTC suddenly found that they had a large bill from their, um, <laughs> their iTunes account. But, but that's just me. <laughs> Thinking that, of course. <laughs> um, 
it's it's dumb parents. I'm sorry, you know. I'm not going to let people over on this. Are you saying the FTC is, is led by a load of dumb parents? Yeah. No, no, no. They're, they're, influenced, they're influenced by a, a bunch of dumb parents and, you know. But I'm going to defend parents a little bit. I'm not one, but I'm still going to defend them. Because no. in, the, in the time, it's not true now, but it was true that if you put in your password in the store, it wouldn't ask for a password for in-app purchases for the next 15 minutes. And it still is the case. That still is the case, I'm pretty sure. Case. I, I thought yes. in-app in purchases made you enter your password again. No. I think there's, I think but, there's a lot more par- parental control. Apple, of oh, all yeah. the companies, have done a lot to try and make sure that this doesn't happen. And you're well, right, that's the Adam, point that I was going to make. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, it, uh, Adam. Yes, you are right. It. It's not dumb parents. It's parents going down to pressure to their children and letting them have the phone and not thinking about what the, um, you know, the consequences are. Um, yeah. it, it's the consequences of giving a child a device in which you've already put. Um, your password to enable them to buy stuff and buy stuff. Now, Apple have put stuff in place, but then Bart is completely correct that the FTC have particularly pointed out and had a go at Apple, whereas it is an industry-led process and an industry-led problem which is going on. Yet it's Apple that gets the main headlines. So... Well, not just headlines. Apple are the only... This was not an investigation of the industry. Yeah, this was yeah, an investigation you know, of Apple. Yes, so it's not yes, even headlines. Yeah. It's just... Agreed. It's, it's, wor- it's worse than that. It's worse than that. Yeah. But well, I, th- it, there was a time in the past where Apple didn't do it right. They learned the lesson. They now do it right. But there were a lot of people who were affected in that gap who I do feel sorry for. Even if Adam it's, disagrees. I, I could be wrong, but I believe the parental controls... What What I take issue with here is the government stepping into something that's a consumer matter and imposing stuff not you know fine it's just on apple and i I agree with that 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 is unfair and this could be extended to google at some point or you know other companies but it it shouldn't even be it shouldn't be even be involved in my opinion because look apple one they have the controls in there you can turn that off you can go into the parental controls and you can change that that 15 minutes to be immediate. You can also completely disable in-app purchase. You can also completely disable purchasing altogether without having to put in a code. So all the consumer, all the control and power is there for the consumer to be able to control this. Plus on top of that, if you went in and ran up a huge bill, you take it up with Apple. You as a consumer, you contact Apple. And I, it's my understanding from a lot of people who have had hit by this, that, Apple was generally issuing refunds, you know, depending upon the case on a case by case Mm. basis. But it's really a thing between Apple and the consumer and for them to sort out. I don't think we need huge protections and huge payments, you know, from the government Uh, to. See, I think I think the government should get involved, but I don't think they should get involved in the way they did here with the FTC. What's going on in Europe at the moment is that the European Commission are investigating the practices of the game developers who are writing their games in such a way as to entice kids to spend money they don't understand. And to me, they're the slime balls in this. Yes, yes. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And so the, the trickery the that's going on, yeah. To me, is the right thing to do. So would, would Apple's better option be to have um, the option of obviously turning those things on rather than having to turn them off? 
I don't it would, know. It wouldn't be in Apple's best interest. I mean, they make they're making money mm-hmm. off of these. But see that I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think that's Apple's thinking. I think Apple would mm-hmm. happily turn them off. What Apple's thinking is consumer experience, and we're talking about a small percentage of their customers versus the larger whole. So most of the people benefit from the default settings of the controls because most people aren't making accidental in-app purchases. This is a small mm-hmm. percentage of the parent who, just like you said earlier, hands off their phone to the kid and the kid comes and says i need a, I need your password and they blindly enter their password exactly and they don't stop and think about it and it, so i don't think i don't think this is the government's I, responsibility I, I, to protect dumb consumers from themselves i'm sorry can it's i can not. i can well whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa. Can, I, can i come back <laughs> on you there adam because yeah um, i think i think i think you said something there which is absolutely pertinent and this is the ethos of uh, apple and the ios applications and uh, the ios devices they deem them to be a single user device yeah. now in our household yes our iphones are single user devices however the ipad that we have is most definitely not a single-user device. And I think that's possibly where the biggest issue kicks in. And Apple's ethos of that being a single-user device makes them you know, possibly quite rightly think, along with your thinking, is that, you know, come on, guys, think about what you're doing with these devices. Think yeah. about the spend that you're doing. However, if you've got a device like an iPad in a household that can probably... They've just got their first iPad. Isn't that fantastic? That's the first iPad, possibly the first of many for that i uh, for that household of uh, you know this brilliant device. Yeah, okay, I'm I'm an Apple fanboy, but <laughs> but if they then share that around the household because that's the first of possibly many coming up, and their experience is all of a sudden they're getting massive bills. That's a bad experience. However, yes. the single user experience is exactly what Apple wants to produce. However, when you've got a device which is in a household, especially a new household and a new Apple household, they want equally a, a good experience. And then you've almost got to flip it on its other side. Now, Apple can't control that. It's difficult for them to say, you know, is this a multi-user uh, household or is this a single user household? And that's that's you know they're never going to get over that but that i think is possibly what's happening in a lot of these cases that they are mm-hmm. they have got a single user device where the person knows exactly how much they're spending but some of this application is going into a multi-user house and they're handing this out and it's going it's it's gone awry let's put it that way well, even right. in I, such I, a I multi-user house point. right apple provided the, the, this thing in itunes where you can give like allowances and stuff so if you're a parent with a multi-person iPad, it should be logged into an Apple account that has an allowance. And that just puts a ceiling on everything. Well, and so the but the bigger part of this, in my opinion, is I think this is so isolated and, you know, they're, they're making a huge call on a very small percentage of people who are mm-hmm. being affected. And I also would like to know... You know, I don't think there was any investigation or look into how is Apple handling this? So the question I would ask everybody here is, does anybody know somebody who's had this bill, a huge bill run up by their kids? 
No. I don't know anybody. And I know a lot of people who have these devices and they're multi-user households and they're first-time iPad owners. And I, I don't think this is one or widespread problem. And then the second thing I would want to know for people who have had that, when they ring up Apple and say, oh, my gosh, my kid <laughs> ran up a $1,000 bill, how does okay. Apple respond? Uh, okay. That I'm not entirely certain on. But my guesses you- would be they would say, you know what? We will refund, and here's how you turn on the parental control so this doesn't happen to you again. And that's probably the end of the story. So you're, you're point, absolutely right, Adam, because this is 0.003 percentage points of people that are being affected. Right. If you look and at so, the, the fact that they've got 10 billion and they're having to pay a fine of 32 million, you know, and they're probably paying that out to parents, then you're talking probably at, you know, um, I totally agree with you. It's, it's, it is a very small well, amount, but it, it's made into a much bigger uh, issue. And, and a big part of this story that I want to point out is the 32 million is a price floor. So yes. Apple has to issue refunds up to 32 million or of, of at least 32 million. And if they don't issue that, that any remainder goes to the FTC. <laughs> so if they only have to pay back, 10 million the ftc gets the 22 million yeah because naughty apple <laughs> yeah. anyway i'm gonna move us on <laughs> sorry uh, no no i enjoyed that this story first is because i thought it might do this <laughs> um apple are basically continuing their sort of struggle against the nsa so tim cook did an interview with uh it says ABS in my show notes. I'm pretty sure that's a typo. Uh, <laughs> ABC. That may even have been autocorrect. Uh, and they basically said that Apple have a gag order when it comes to them. He says, we're under a gag order right now. And that was earlier in the month. And then just at the end of the month, Apple were allowed to release more specific numbers. So maybe that little bit of carping helped. So we now know that for the first six months of 2013, Apple received 927 law enforcement requests and between zero and 249 national security requests. Very specific numbers. <clears throat> well, the, yeah, the, the law enforcement one, I mean, there was no reason, in my opinion, that that shouldn't have been detailed from the no. start. It was for every other country in the world. So I'm glad they were been allowed to give the real number. And by being allowed to go to quarters of thousands for the NSA numbers, that's something too. Well, considering considering the NSA numbers, are, you know, the, the, they seem to have a handle on what we're doing anyway. That number seems quite high to me. <laughs> well, yeah, but the last number they were allowed to, re- to the release was between zero and nine nine nine. Yeah, but, but 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 even so, I, I I was being a bit facetious there. Okay, I suppose it is. Well, if you look at like I think for Ireland it was like four, but then mm. again, Ireland is like teeny. So, you know, you're right. It's, it, uh, America is definitely the world's leaders on this one. I think it's goes. interesting that, that Tim Cook was able to say they have a gag order. I mean, isn't, mm. wasn't, there, wasn't there at least rumors or stuff going around that they couldn't even say that they couldn't say things at one point? I, I think there's a, a certain amount of, with the Snowden leaks coming out, they're not the ones sticking their head over the parapet. There's someone with their yeah. head way higher over the parapet. So, you know, yeah. they could probably get away with more wiggle room. Yeah. Especially with the president talking about it in the State of the Union and stuff. I think that frees everyone up a little. Because you're not revealing anything spectacularly unknown. You know, we all know. But, but yeah. to, to be honest with you, Bart, what does that mean? They've had 249 requests. What does that mean? You know, more, people are more interested in the fact that Angry Birds has given out information, supposedly. Well, I don't think anyone's giving out information. What, we, what we've discovered is that, so if you're a large company, 
you're going to have data centers all over the world and you're going to pay for dark fiber, which are, in theory, private connections between them. And so you're not going to encrypt the traffic in your internal network, in inverted commas. And what we discovered is that the, the, the way the NSA had their foothold into Google was that they had basically gotten their foothold in through Google's ISPs. Yeah. And so Google thought they had bought private fiber, but in actual fact, all their own encrypted traffic was being read en route. And so Google now encrypt between their own data centers because of this kind of stuff. And I, I doubt, you know, smaller companies like Angry Birds and so forth are able to do that. Or certainly not yeah. just, you know, turn around on a whim and change. So, so, so to me, I mean, so th- th- that's why I said. Suppose, yeah, I don't think these companies are giving bit, it away. No, 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 no. But I, I think it is a little bit, it was a little bit flippant. But, you know, less than 250 requests. Actually, I think that. That's incredible. I think it's. I, I find that quite small, to be honest with you. Well, yeah. I think I think that's why Tim Cook has been alluding that if you know we could just have transparency in this, uh, most Americans and most people would would not be all that concerned about this as as they are right now. Yeah, the secrecy. I mean, he said that in the interview, basically. Yeah, yeah because everyone assumed the worst. Right yeah. when they when they were allowed to say it was between zero and a thousand. It's Everyone a thousand. assumed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a thousand. Whereas now, at least we know it's between zero and two hundred and fifty, and we're well, all assuming two fifty, but it could be four. We just don't true. know. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, just just so you know, Bart, uh, ABC used to be uh, the American broadcast system way, way, way back when in the early days. So, so they were technically ABS. not right. <laughs> <laughs> Changed in 1945. Yeah, okay, I'm a little behind the times, just a teeny tiny bit. <laughs> um, I think for the last two shows we've mentioned, you know, when Apple released the new version of iWork, we all liked the fact that it was, the, you know, the same files and the same everything worked between iOS and OS X, and then we all realized that the Mac apps had become pretty rubbish. Apple released a letter saying, we promise that it will, we'll bring back the features, and uh, they... You know, this is the second time they're now making good on that ongoing promise. Uh, so Pages, Numbers, and Keynote all got an update. But certainly for, from my point of view, I think the big, big, big win was that Numbers went from having no AppleScript support to having all the AppleScript support they used to have in, in one nice big update. So thank goodness for that. That's awesome. And, of course, it does still say beta on the website of um, iWork. So I, True, and I, they didn't delete your old ones. Which was nice of them. So that's that's another good news one. So um, I can't really put off any longer the, the big story of the second half of the month, and I, I'm not a fan of these either. I don't like a lot of the stories I do on this show, do I? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do this show, Bart? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so every four times a year we have to talk about an Apple's earning report, and uh, Apple don't seem to know where the calendar is because their first quarter of 2014 was actually the last quarter of 2013 by my calendar. Their financial quarters. I know, but it still makes no sense. One of the best things the Irish government did about 10 years ago... Run with it, Adam. Run with it. (laughs) No, seriously, one of the best things the Irish government did was they lined up the financial calendar with the calendar calendar. So the tax year 2013 is the year 2013. I I, I wonder if somebody said, and I'm going to be really nasty here, I wonder if somebody said, you should never start from here. (laughs) Sorry, that's that's a bit of of a joke over here. I'm sorry about that. Anyway... (laughs) Let us get the numbers out of the way and then we can have a deep chat. So 57.6 billion in revenue, which was up from 54.5 billion. 
13.1 billion of that was profit, which is the same amount of profit as last year, which obviously means that the gross margin is down, and it is in fact down from 38.6% to 37.9%, which is not that much really. Pretty flat. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, from an analyst point of view, from a company point of view, that's quite a big hit, actually, um, Bart, to be honest with you. Um, if it was a couple of points down, uh, point, uh, points down, then you know that wouldn't be a problem. But that actually is quite a big hit. It's less than one. Doesn't matter. It's quite a big hit. If we move, if we move, actually, if our company moves point one or a couple of points, um, you know, point one or point two, if it moves up to point three percentage points margin difference, then people start getting concerned. So that is mm. quite a move, actually. That's interesting. Thank you. <laughs> is that even? Are, is that even when your margins are as are as yep. up yep. that high? Yep. So it doesn't matter what those margins are; it just matters the the variance. Yes, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's uh, the the fact that that is lower as well means because some of our margins are actually quite a little bit higher than that. And if we start getting big moves, then you know that 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 would Freaks be big. investors out. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, that was no, obvious. No. It, 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 yeah, it freaks investors out, but actually um, it freaks internal people out because of the fact that it may well freak, freak the market out. But yeah. that is that is quite a big move. So okay. just 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 a you know a business perspective, although it doesn't seem much, actually from a business point of view, it is quite a move. But the only reason it's big from a business point of view is because analysts are nuts. <laughs> And and you're talking to me, so yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I I need to be more specific with the type of analyst, but anyway. Yes, yeah. (laughs) The ones on Wall Street, they're nuts. Um, So earnings per share was $14.09, which was better than the market expected. Not that that made them happy. And uh, their guidance for the second quarter was that they would be bringing in $42 billion to $44 billion in revenue, which was less than the $46 billion the market pulled out of their backsides. So therefore, they were cranky as hell. They were really, yeah, that, that was what really set them on tilt. They basically said, well, you've gone into China now, therefore, pink unicorns. Yes. And Apple went, no, actually, we live on planet Earth. And they went, boo, hiss. <laughs> Paraphrasing slightly. Um, we also, because it's an earnings call, we get, obviously can, can, get all it, the financial it, stuff, it, but sorry, they also so, tell us other stuff. Sorry, Bart, can yeah. I just back up there? Did they say what the quarter two um, uh, revenue was from last year? No, the article I read didn't have that. And That's I... a shame because obviously the 57.6 billion um, previously for the previous quarter doesn't give you an indication of what that 42.44 billion will be for the first quarter. It yeah. would be nice to know what that first quarter, or sorry, quarter two last year was. Uh, if only we had a source we could go to to look for that. I'm, sh- I'm sure if I knew anything about financials. I'll pull it up. Uh, quarterly revenue for twenty second quarter 2013. Forty-three point six billion. So that's yeah. flat. So that yes, and that hence that's where the analysts were expecting a little bit of growth, especially with the China situation, and that's probably what made them a little bit tetchy about it. However, yeah. just give it a few months, and the Apple's share will go back up. Don't worry about it. I, I didn't pop it in the show notes, but my my favorite ginger American also made a fool of himself by calling Apple idiots because their phones are too small. That will be Donald Trump. <laughs> Anyway, don't so, have a go at ditches. I, 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 I don't have anything against. Uh, uh, see, his is a wig, so 
I know, I know, I know. He's, he, you know, he's I'm old busy. too. You got to, you got to factor that's, that's a fair huge point. Yes. factor in the screen and size there, issue. And that was me thinking he was talking about Jeff Cameron. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, when I say Jeff Cameron's my favorite American ginger, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being <laughs> genuinely honest. <laughs> anyway, um, so as well as the financy stuff, they also give us, you know, other sort of what's going on in the company stuff. And some numbers that were in there were that. Uh, Apple sold a record 51 million iPhones, which is up from 47.8 million this time last year, which is pretty good going. Uh, they also sold 26 million iPads, which is up from 22.9 million last year. And uh, what I think is really spectacular about all of that is that yeah. the Mac sales were considered good. They were 4.8 million, up from 4.1. So Apple sell six times as many iPads as they do Macs and many, 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 many times as many iPhones. Uh-huh. I, don't know, I, I just never realized it was quite that extreme. I was quite surprised you, you, ju- you jumped the iOS uh, now on 80% because no, I, I was going to go back to that. <laughs> ah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, after you. <laughs> I, I, I deem that to be a massive number. Absolutely massive number, and it, it it just goes to show the the ethos of Apple trying to make sure that everybody's on a consistent experience. Going back to the experience um, mm. process that we talked about earlier, um, that is key to them. And that at eighty percent, that blew, when I saw that number, it just blew my mind. And the, see, that number to me is explains a lot of why the, the billions and billions in the App Store is so high. Because for developers, mm. that kind of stuff is heaven. There's like three or four screen resolutions in total when you take into account the Retina, non-Retina, iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch. But, you know, it's still a very, very small number of resolutions, a very, very small variance in hardware, and you know that the vast majority of the market are running the very latest OS, so every last cool feature is yours for the using. I mean, that's a luxury for a developer. So the the, the last thing that I wanted to draw attention to was something that um, the Mac Observer picked up. So there was a question asked of Tim Cook about, you know, iPhone sales versus Mac sales and stuff like that. And I mean, the question was asked pretty sharply and he gave a good answer. But as part of the answer, some, something interesting came out where basically there's a massive disparity between American market share, like we talked about earlier, where Apple are absolute king of the hill, really. And the rest of the world, where they're not doing as well. But in terms of growth, it's an inverse of that. So Mm -hmm. in the rest of the world, they're growing really, really fast, whereas in America, they're quite stagnant. Mm -hmm. Um, And he blamed the American stagnation on the fact that they guessed wrong about the ratio of 5C to 5Ss. So basically, they were producing the wrong phones. And also that the carriers were being far too strict with the 24 months and the days when you could just get every new iPhone, even though your contract was theoretically two years, appear to be over. Yeah, that's done. Any any thoughts from anyone else on the, on the earnings call? Yeah, uh, I, I you know the the whole four C thing was interesting. I I think there, you know, he was more referring to sort of the mix. They, they I think they thought the four C was going to be a bigger deal, but oh, I, 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 I think you, you downgraded it by one. <laughs> what? It's a five C. 5C, excuse me, the 5C. I think they thought the 5C was going to be a bigger deal. Um, but I think what they what they ended up realizing was that Americans' consumers have kind of already moved on to the, you know, they've kind of converted, I think, a lot of the people. I think the reason we're, they're seeing bigger growth outside the U.S. is because they're still, 
you know, they're still winning converts. So I'd be curious to see how the mix of uh, 5C versus 5S is doing outside of the U.S. I, I, I know and, this is a, a very small straw poll, mm, but I know mm. three people with a 5C as opposed to one with a 5S, and that's myself with a 5S and three other people with a 5C. Right. Now, see, the that's, keeper, a, that's a tiny straw poll, of course, but... Yeah, my, yeah, my so tiny straw poll of two people is one on one. But yeah. <laughs> and see, I I know I know nobody with a five C and everybody with a five S here in the states. So, yeah. you know, I think that's I think that's very typical. And the reason is is because all those people bought, uh, you know, fours when that was on when that was the free phone, and when it came time when their upgrade contract came around, they went, you know, I'm going I'm going with the the five S. Um, but so it was interesting for him to 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 comment on that but he didn't really address the fact that despite that you know apple is still you know it, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter the 5c i think is doing its job i guess is the point that i'm trying to get to which is moving people into the apple ecosystem and you know who are first time buyers or price sensitive buyers and then those customers because of the experience become premium customers they become higher end purchasers and that's the transition that's that's i think happening more outside the u.s now than inside the u.s and i also credit that as to the reason why mac sales went up a little bit while the rest of the pc industry is still tanking because i think apple's winning over converts i think the halo effect is is huge with iphones and ipads and I think they're still seeing the benefits of that in the, in the States and elsewhere. But, but the other thing going on with the PC industry is that what's vanishing are cheap and cheerful PCs. People right. just buy iPads for those. Yeah, or they're often tablets or tablets whatever. Or, yeah, yeah. What's, so basically the PC industry is sort of being refined with all the crud going away and what's left are actually high-end PCs. And in the well, high-end market... Industry, yeah, yeah, in too. the high-end market, Apple have always been king. And so when that's all that's left, it makes Apple look like they're doing amazing. But also when you have a Windows owner who says, you know, I'm going to hold off on buying that next PC. I'm going to get an iPad. Yeah. And then they have the iPad experience. And then the two years go by and it's like, oh, I need to get a new computer. A lot of those, I think, are going, well, I like this iPad experience and it's going to integrate better if I get a Mac. And so then they're replacing their PC with a Mac. So it's it's a double whammy, I think, for the PC industry right now. Well, especially especially when the, the, the Microsoft Surface isn't isn't holding on to the people. I'm right. actually going to, because you just raised a good point here, and I'm going to skip ahead slightly into two stories I had down for quick stories, which are basically two two bits of bad news from Microsoft. So the first is an SEC filing shows that they're basically, they're making a loss on their surfaces. So it's costing them more to make than they're making from selling them. Um, obviously, if they sold more, that might fix itself, but they are making a loss. And then HP gave them what I can only describe as a slap in the face <laughs> when they had an ad campaign, by popular demand... You can now buy your machines with Windows 7. And that's got a sting. Yeah. So, anyway. Is it true? I mean, so I know we don't do rumors on here, but then all kinds of stories started popping up that they're rushing Windows 9 now. Well, there is talk of Windows 9, isn't there? I don't know how, how firm that talk is. But they have to because basically they have Vista Mark II on their hands. Now, this is the, or, or Windows ME Mark II. I've only very briefly touched Windows 8, and I thought, I, I must admit, I, I tried, and I thought, yuck. I, I spent Absolute a month, yuck. Gaz, 
It's. I was. I, it, I, we had to evaluate them for for work. We, we were. Well, we didn't have to, but we were given the opportunity to evaluate them in work. And I thought, look, I know it's unlikely I'm going to fall in love with this device, but let's give it a chance. And I, I, I had it a month, and I had to force myself to use it. And every time I did, I hated it just that little bit more. Yeah, it's good once you figure out how to get rid of the metro interface. Uh, see, now, is... This, is, this is where things really go wrong because I didn't have a pro. Ah. I had an RT. And it was so. made by Dell. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're never escaping it. <laughs> no, it was, it was a disastrous device. I suppose anyway. the, PC, the PC industry to be, you know, basically, they're just fighting for... Um, uh, for the the commercial side, aren't they? Uh, my, my previous company, um, every three years, basically replace all of their PCs, and that that means they go through a process of replacing around twenty thousand units over the the whole of the company in a, a period of six months. And really, that's what the likes of Dell and Lenovo. That's all they're fighting for now, really, isn't it? Yeah, but the problem is yeah. because PCs aren't really the requirements on PCs and that kind of office job aren't going up. A lot of companies aren't doing it on three. They're doing it on five now. Whereas they used to do it on three, but now they're that's exactly five. that's exactly what I, I work for a company where we have uh, eight hundred eight hundred laptops and desktops, and we were on a three year cadence, and and we just had a meeting a couple of weeks ago that we are deciding to not upgrade in this coming three years. So wow. Well, well I mean, and the and the other thing is is they they're producing machines that have are cheaper and cheaper and have lower margins but are perfectly adequate for doing those kinds of business tasks yeah. right so when you go to replace the machine you don't need an $800 laptop you can get a $500 laptop or whatever yeah. it is you know and yeah and you and you can understand why apple are not bothered about going for that that industry because you know all it does is drive prices down and if a company like um, the company that I'm actually uh, used to be with actually have come back to a three-year process where they – the previous time, though, they went to a four-year process. And if you get a few companies doing that, you can mm. see you know, it, that would hit, hit Apple massively, whereas with um, consumers, it, it's a steady flow all I mean, around the world, isn't it? So, Apple sort of tend to keep their prices pretty static and just give mm. you more for your book. Like an iMac has cost – you know, between one and two grand, or between one and three grand, really, depending on how fancy you go, it's always cost that much. It's just that you're now getting 27 inches of drool worthiness instead of 24 or 21, and it just does more. And it's gotten it's it's gotten physically smaller as well, quite significantly. I am going to jump us into um, sort of a little section of called Google's January because uh, there were just a bunch of Google stories that together are probably interesting. Although one by one, I probably wouldn't have included any of them. Um, so Google and Samsung have uh, made a patent cross-licensing deal for 10 years. Since they weren't actually suing each other, I'm not sure this means very much. Um, Google then, well, it's been reported as Google pressured Samsung to stop tweaking Android because Google seemed to be wanting to control Android. Uh, and then Google have decided to sell Moto uh, to Lenovo for $2.91 billion, but they're holding on to the patents, one of which they lost in court on this month. That was a success, wasn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> they could have had something good. They should have. I feel, I feel like if they had made Motorola their exclusive hardware partner, they could have had something good. Ah, they, yeah, but they were upsetting all of their other partners. That was yeah, the that was there. the problem. Well, yeah, you can't play in both. You can't, you can't, it's very hard to, to be both, which is something. I mean, Microsoft, I think, 
by buying Nokia, Microsoft kind of get to play both without being both. Yeah, but have Microsoft um, also have, have HP come back and give Microsoft a slap in the face because they're coming into the hardware device, you know, with the mm. the, the RT devices, you know, and HP. Well, you know, okay. So we'll just sell our devices because we need to sell more of them with your old operating system. You know, you're not as important, Microsoft. Well, I have to well, say from, from HP's point of view, it's a work of genius because there's an awful lot of people who want new computers who do not want Windows 8. That's not good. <laughs> it's not good, no. <laughs> anyway, um, the last thing, we're, we're at our one-hour mark, but we'll go a little bit longer. Um, the big news in January, really, is that the Mac became 30 years old, 1984 to 2014. It's, it's, it's been a long road. And... You know, when you're looking at the screenshots and you're looking at the ideas, there hasn't, you know, it's gotten better. It's gotten way better. But you can recognize that old Mac as a Mac. Whereas I look at Windows 3.1 and I look at Windows 8. Oh, jeez. You know, I'm not seeing it as a lineage of you know, sequential improvements, right? It's not that they had a that great a idea point. that they honed and tweaked for 30 years. Yeah, there's no, there's no Darwin, there's no Darwin chart where you see, you know, this thing coming up out of the primordial ooze and then becoming, you know, an erect walking thing, you know, that uses tools. Or else it's that (laughs) one where everyone hunches back over over their keyboard. Because, you know, Windows XP and Windows 7 to some extent, although it's always been a bumpy road for Microsoft really, hasn't it? Yeah, they, they never do manage to get success after success. Windows no, 95. it's about every third. About every third is their track record, right? Every third yeah. or fourth, they kind of have a hit. Because Windows three point was such a disaster, we got Windows three point one. When NT four was good, yeah, ninety five was good. Ninety eight initially sucked. S service or service back two made it actually tolerable. Let's not mention mistake edition. XP was good. Actually, XP was good, and then Windows, we had Vista. Uh, then two, we had 7. Um, what was 2000? 2000 and NT? Oh, oh is that what you meant, actually, NT? 2000 was, was kind of nice, because it was the marrying yeah. of the Windows 95-style interface with yeah. the Windows NT actual not-crappiness. Yeah, right. I, I, I used uh, 2000 for a long time. Yeah, actually, you're right. Win2K, actually, Win2K is the last Windows OS I used regularly, because mm. then they started going down the genuine disadvantage route, and they made me so cranky with Windows XP that I went to Linux. And then I stayed on Linux for as as my desktop and laptop OS until I got my first Mac, which was ten point three. Yeah, so it was is it was and it was that you know Windows two thousand, then XP Service Pack two was the good one. Then yeah. it was uh, Windows seven, right? Yeah, 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 and yeah. We don't mention Vista. We don't mention Mistake Edition. So <laughs> I, I, I thought it might be fun. It's not news. But, I mean, what can you say? Okay, so Apple made a shiny website, and they made a nice video. You can go watch that over on Apple.com. But that's really all we can say from a news point of view on this story. So I, I thought we might do something slightly different, and just go around the panel and just say how we how we came into this whole Mackey world. So, who... Actually, Adam, you're probably the one who's been doing it the longest, so we'll let you go mm-hmm. first. So when, when, uh, when was your first Mac, and why? My first Mac, mm. or my first Apple? Because those are two separate questions. Oh, well, wow, you answer but... both. I'm intrigued now. <laughs> so my first Mac was actually 
uh, and an Apple II GS. Or my first Apple, Apple excuse me. I got it backwards. My first Apple was an Apple II GS. Um, and I actually talked my dad out of buying a Mac to get the Apple II GS, <laughs> which in retrospect was probably not a, not a good thing. But how do you need to know? <laughs> well, and see, the thing was, is I was a kid and I had all, we had all of our games were on Apple IIe's, you know, that we would yeah. play with our friends and swap around. And so, and I also knew, knew basic and I knew how to program an Apple IIe and 2C. And so it's like, I wanted an Apple II and this 2GS had, guess what? It had a Mac desktop interface. It was in color. You know, there was all these kinds of advantages to it. And so, you know, I thought it was going to be a big thing, but you know, my dad used Macs for business because he was a marketing uh, advertising guy. Right. And hmm. he wanted to run Illustrator and, and PageMaker, all those things. But anyway, so he ended up uh, a couple of years later, we got a, a Mac. And so my first Mac was a Mac Plus. So that, and so I've been a Mac owner actually 28 of the 30 years that the Mac's been around. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Gaz, do you want to go next? Yeah, well, well, keeping on on that process, my first Apple product was the the fifth generation iPod, video iPod. And I had that probably for seven to eight months in 2007. And it was soon after I came on your show, Adam, Mm -hmm. where we had a quick discussion about my views of um, trying to um, or or asking the question as to why Apple uh, didn't port or enable the porting of their software onto Windows machines to encourage more people to go across. And it wasn't right. until I got the uh, Mac Mini uh, four, uh, G4 uh, that I realized why they didn't do it. <laughs> 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 so that was uh, my introduction was um, the fifth generation iPod, which I had for, um, say, about eight months, and then started getting uh, introduced into Mac podcasts. And it took a long time, and uh, uh, actually coming on to uh, Adam's show, um, which I loved, uh, still do. And um, then you. my first Mac Mini was the, the G4. Cool. Nick? Mine was the Bondi Blue iMac. Ooh, lovely. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I was. What an, intro- uh, I was uh, what an introduction. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mine was. Uh, I was a Windows person. I, I grew up with uh, being very close to one of my uncles, and he showed me Windows three one and all the Windows things that I could do. And we had PCs all my life, and I loved just ripping them apart and putting them back together with friends. That was like what we did. Um, <laughs> Which in retrospect is very very nerdy, but that's okay. Um, and I, I met a friend. I met a friend through a friend who had an iBook G four, I believe, or G three that had the handle attached to it. The the oh, same yes. color, the toilet seat, beautiful color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. And and actually, the graphics card on that computer went out for him, and I ended up figuring out a way to replace it, and um, ended up selling that and using the money to get my own iMac. <laughs> Cool. I was a I was I've always been a, a hardware tinkerer, even though that I really can't do it anymore these days in in the new Macs. But well, just because yeah. you can't do it in your Mac doesn't mean you can't tinker. Because I, I I grew up as a tinker. I used to joke that I had the same <laughs> computer for ten years. It just had like yeah. three new cases, four new motherboards. You know, it, I just never replaced yeah. everything at once. <laughs> the the PC under my feet is definitely sounds different. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I tinker with that one all the time. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I'm I'm a Linux sysadmin by profession, and when I needed a home file server. I went out, I bought a chassis that would hold 10 hard drives. I went and bought a motherboard with a lot of um, SATA connectors on it. 
and I built my own file server, which is you know now sitting on at, at the front door with well seven of the ten bays are now full, so it's you know. And I built that entirely myself, and I'm a Mac user. So you don't, you know, you don't have to give up on the tinkering. I'm 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 a Mac user, and more recently, I've been messing around. I mean, we've got these great things. I've got a Raspberry Pi. I've got an Arduino. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, it's all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. So my my introduction to the Mac came reluctantly. So I, you know, I had I'd given up on Windows, and I had gone the Linux desktop route. Fedora Core One. That that that's how far back. And then Fedora Core Two. And we, so I started doing uh, the PhD that I never finished. So I was a grad student and we were given these, basically HP was physically close to our university and they donated their old junk to us as a great big joy. And there were HP kayak machines for which we had a nickname that <laughs> means poo in a foreign language that rhymes with kayak. And I just kept on complaining to my, my supervisor, I hate this machine, I hate this machine, I hate this machine. You know, it was full of memory leaks, it was an awful machine. And he just said to me, well, I know you don't like Macs, but basically, I'm not spending my money on a PC. It's my research money, and if I'm spending it, I'm spending it on a Mac. And he said, trust me, you'll thank me. I was like, yeah, okay, fine, I want a new machine, I don't care. And so I got an eMac, which was one of the white eMacs, so it was basically like the Bondi Blue iMac, only solid Mm -hmm. white. (laughs) And it was 10.3 back then. (laughs) And I absolutely, totally and utterly fell in love, because as soon as I brought up that terminal... I was back on Linux. I was where I'd always been. I had everything I liked about Linux was there. Only instead of having the Fedora core tolerable but not pleasant GUI, I had the Mac, which is like, you know, way more user-friendly than Windows. It's like, you know, the best GUI, and under the hood, it's Unix slash Linux. It's kind of like heaven to me. So Mm then I watched my first keynote, which was when Steve Jobs unveiled the bring your own keyboard and and monitor and mouse, the G4 Mac Mini, and I just ordered one straight away. So if I didn't get the first one delivered to Ireland, I certainly got one on the first ship to arrive in Ireland with them. So you and Gaz both had the same first Mac. Depending on the account, if it's one I bought with my own money or not. I, yeah. I think you got to count the one you bought with your own money, right? I do too, <laughs> actually, to be honest. Yeah, so as far as I'm concerned, and we've always had a Mac Mini in the house ever since. Now, it's, the I Mac love Minis the now aren't on my desk, they're now on my, my Better House desk. And I, I, I have two. But you have two? That's... That yeah, might one, be one what, of my one of my favorite Macs is the Mac. I, Mini. Use, I, I actually use one as the uh, media server downstairs. Yeah, the, the poor Mac I'm, Mini does. Sorry, sorry, go on, Adam. I was just gonna say the poor Mac Mini just doesn't get enough respect. It doesn't. No, and I mean they show up in the weirdest of places because they have the two hard drive server version, and they show up in real server farms because they're really cheap, and you just put them on a shelf in a rack. And you can put like you know five or six of them on a shelf, and they take a one U rack space, and they're fantastic little machines. Yeah, and you don't hear about their motherboards overheating and their graphics chips frying, and no. you know all these other things that you know Mac Pros and or, or MacBook Pros and these other yeah. systems seem to suffer from. I've killed an iMac, as in it actually just phys- just plain old died after six years of hard use. I will grant you, but I've never mm, killed I- a Mac Mini. Yeah, I've never killed a Mac Mini. I've slowed it down a bit, but I've killed it. <laughs> anyway, so thanks for that little diversion. Before we finish up, because we're at an hour and ten now, I just want to quickly mention two more little quick stories that we should probably talk about. There, ha- for, there have been a bunch of unlucky people for whom iOS 7 has been constantly crashy. 
and I'll raise my hand once on me. Or, yeah, raising my hand too. <laughs> you're raising your hand too, and I know Leo yes. Laporte has been swearing about this for months. So these people are real. I'm just luckily not one. But Apple have uh, finally admitted you, you exist. <laughs> can, can I ask this? Yeah. So Nick, do you which iPhone do you have? Five S. And which one do you have, Bart? Five. See, uh, I think this is a five S problem. I think um, that's my theory. No, I've got five S, and uh, I don't seem to get too many crashes. Well, I, I, I'm not saying everybody that has a 5S has one, but I have not heard too many people who don't have a 5S complaining about I see this what problem. You're saying. I see what you're saying. I, I think you're right, so, Adam, because uh, the people I hear shout about this all have 5Ss. Yeah. Apple have said it, they will fix it. They didn't say when. I guess it's possible the 64-bit transition isn't as smooth as we all thought. Actually, that's yeah. a really well, good and point. Well, I think it depends on all the things that you do with your phone. I mean, there's there's some sort of weird yeah. mojo yeah. combination, but it seems to impact 5S owners more. I'm not saying exclusively. It seems more prevalent with 5S owners, and not every 5S owner. But Now, now I'm not saying that I don't have crashes. I have had crashes with it, but uh, and certainly more than my 4S, which I had previously. Yes, I've but, had none. Ah, right, right. right. Not, right. I have a few. I've iOS 7 on day one. But I, I, I've not had it to a degree where I've deemed it to be a, a, you know, an inconvenience or something which I've gone... <laughs> and here, here's my non-scientific litmus test, though. Um, so mine has crashed many a time. Uh, my wife got my old 5, hmm. and it's running iOS 7, and she has not told me a single time that she's seen it crash, and she, believe me, would. She, yeah. So <laughs> I, I can only assume she hasn't had any. <laughs> I found the 5 to be rock solid on iOS 7. I think I know what you're saying there, Adam. You are the conduit to Apple from your wife. (laughs) (laughs) I have that role too in our head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like, okay, why are you shouting at me? I didn't do it and I can't fix it. And finally, the last thing to last. mention is in his fifth State of the Union, President Obama mentioned that he wanted companies to pledge not to discriminate against the long-term unemployed. Because obviously, if you had a major financial meltdown, you have a whole bunch of people who are unemployed for a long time, not because they're bums and layabouts, but because there were not enough jobs for everyone. And so President Obama asked companies to volunteer a non-discrimination policy, and Tim Cook stepped up and said, yep, Apple are going to do that which is a nice counterpoint to the, and we were being yeah. mean buggers when we were not letting proper competition in the market in California. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're, Don't worry, guys, we'll employ you, but don't think you're going to get poached. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't expect to ever leave Apple once you're here. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> thank you very much, everyone. An hour and, an hour and a quarter, that's not too bad. Not too bad. Um, so I guess we'll go in reverse order. So, Nick, do you want to give out your links again for people? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again. Uh, just MacJust.com uh, or MacJustPodcast.com. They both go to the same spot for our weekly. We do a weekly show. It's a lot of fun. So check it out. Cool. Gaz? Uh, Gazmaz.com and Twitter.com forward slash Gazmaz, G-A-Z-M-A-Z. And I'll be right back. And you'll be right back. And don't forget the My Mac podcast. Oh, well, yes, the my map. Actually, can I just say, we are coming up to number 500 soon. Ooh, wow. So, yeah, and that it is just a weekly show. So, um, uh, yeah, so it's you've been going... 100 times more than we have. 
<laughs> well, it, it, it seemed pertinent that this was number five, and we're coming up to five hundred. It's not, it's not there yet. It's, it's going to be around MacWorld, I think. So, me, uh, Guy and I are, are kind of discussing uh, exactly what we're going to be doing and what's happening. But we're going to try and get uh, some people on board so we can give away some uh, prizes. So, uh, you, you know, um, um, Bart, that we we have our bumpers. We're doing a bit of a bumper mm-hmm. uh, competition and. If anybody listens to the MyMac podcast, you know that it is complete and uh, uh, insanity, really. Um, that it's it's just a laugh all the way through. So uh, the bumpers are equally uh, well. Insane. Listeners to this show are familiar with your bumpers because I, you know, <laughs> as part of the uh, Stoplight Network, it's 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 asked that you advertise another Stoplight show at the end of your show, and I tend to pick you guys as bumpers because they're funny. <laughs> So stand by, stand yeah. by, and you'll hear another bumper from Gaz. I think. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, Adam. Yeah, you can find me over at uh, MacCast.com. You must be more consistent over there at my Mac, Gaz, because uh, I am only at four seventy-five. Mm, well, um, I, I do a not quite weekly. Well, <laughs> let's put it. Let's put it. Let's put it this way, Adam. Uh, uh, Guy and I have been doing um, that show since about two eighty-five. Before that, it was Tim Robertson. So you've got one up on us. The show's been going for almost 500, <laughs> but it has had a few presenters. Well, yeah. And I have to throw in, I've also done 170 member episodes. So I'm actually at 645, technically. So. Yeah, all right. All right. All, <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, don't spoil it. <laughs> if I can, all of my appearances on all of the- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what we, this, just like Apple does with their numbers, right? You got to pay attention to, to, to the details, uh, the specifics. <laughs> um, but you can find me at MacCast.com, MacCast on iTunes. Uh, I also do the We Have Communicators podcast with Jeff Gamet and Michael Johnston, which is more uh, iOS focused. So if you're into that sort of stuff, and for um, more European kind of stuff, I'm ending up being a regular on the uh, Mac Show on the British tech network so you can check that out too with mr rankin yeah you and rankin and crew yeah people will have seen my ugly mug on that once or twice but i hate video shows <laughs> well it's a live video show but you you can also just get the audio version i think if you uh if you yeah, want no, but right? I, I mean from a being on point of view <laughs> yeah i know i have to get up early in the morning i had to do it it's like 7 a.m here and i gotta oh. do my hair and all that stuff i, I told you and only for him only <laughs> for him you. would i do this anyway <laughs> Uh, one final question before we wrap up. Did you enjoy yourself, Nick? I did. Oh, good. <laughs> I know you were you were worried the whole time. Oh, sweating, <laughs> sweating buckets. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much, guys. I've been your host, Bart Bushas. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next month, happy computing. to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, everyone. This is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here with that big yank tank guy. Hey, you nitwit Brit. Did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest-running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. (laughs) Well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. 
So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I, I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that and we'll be all right. <laughs>